This is the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. Now here at the Menopause Movement, we've surveyed over 50,000 menopausal women. And through this, we've discovered that the number one cause of menopausal suffering for our clients is weight gain. Now you've said things like, how do I lose the mental belly? I don't recognize myself anymore. How can I get me back? When menopause hit me out of the blue, I had no idea what was happening. And when I gained about 50 pounds overnight, I hated what I saw in the mirror. The menopause movement exists to provide world-class transformational education to women who are suffering from the symptoms and effects of menopause. And we're here to give you the education you need to get your life back. We want menopause to be the best time of your life. I mean, it is for me and I want that for you. After years of trial and error, I finally cracked the code with my menopause weight. And now I want to share with you how I did it. I realized that what helped me the most was a challenge. So we've created a challenge for you to help you lose your mental belly. Simply go to menopausemovement.com forward slash challenge to sign up. I'll see you there. Hey, what's up, Menopod? I'm Dr. G, and this is the Menopause Movement Podcast. Welcome. So the remnants of Hurricane Elsa are beating down outside my window right now. And even though it's late in the morning, it looks really dark outside, like dusk. The rain's beating down. The thunder is intermittently booming in the background. It reminds me of the weather's mighty power. Coming up, I've got my second 5K race of the summer, and it's just in a few days. I still feel pretty unready, despite my ability to run the distance well and without breaks. And if I listen to my inner critic... I won't perform the way I know I can, but I know that my inner critic isn't me. I think, I think about it, right? The inner critic in one sentence will tell us about our biggest mistake and how much we suck, and then in the exact same breath will cheer us on. It's so weird. And that's why I've detached from it. You see, we build up that inner critic from the messaging we get in childhood, and it affects us until we choose to change our relationship with it. We spend a lot of time talking about that in our conversation today. And to make any change, our first step is awareness. When it comes to menopause, the only constant is change. And I'm here to tell you but that change is possible, but it can't happen overnight. Now, the first step to change is making the decision to change. But then we have to back that up with action. And that's our challenge. How do we take any action? And even more importantly, what actions should we take? The menopause movement is here to help you with all of that. Menopause can be a time of misery, or it can be a time of unapologetic action toward creating a life we love. I woke up in the middle of my menopausal journey hating myself, my body, and the life I had created. I didn't know what to do, so I went on a quest to find out how to make change happen. And the result was the menopause movement and this podcast. The menopause movement has one purpose, to help end the suffering caused by menopause through transformational education and coaching. And we want to help you too. So head on over to menopausemovement.com, take the quiz there. And not only will you discover your type, but we'll also tailor some offerings to you just, just for you to help you take your life back from menopause. Getting into the driver's seat of my life was the first step I took to overcome the challenges and the changes I experienced with menopause. But I did it alone and it was really lonely. The Menopause Movement has created a community of women who are unapologetically deciding to become their best selves one small action at a time, and you can too. Join our community and start to create a life you love. Today, we're going to be talking about living a fit and vibrant life and how to achieve a healthy weight over 50 without dieting. Our guest today is Tanya Shah. She's a life and weight loss coach, 
host of the Fit and Vibrant You podcast, founder of Ascend Fitness and Lifestyle, a holistic health coaching studio in Chilliwack, BC, and fit and vibrant over 50. Tanya has a reputation for helping thousands of women get into their happy, healthy weight permanently, naturally, without the obsession, so they can live their life. Tanya, her husband, Keith, and their son, Jacob, live in Chilliwack, BC, about an hour outside Vancouver, Canada. She loves being active, outdoors, running, hiking, paddleboarding, mountain biking, and camping. She also loves a good cup of coffee and a glass of red wine. During the podcast, we talk about who Tanya is and how she got started with weight loss anyway and getting off the diet roller coaster, obsession with weight and how it detracts from the joy in our lives, how hope is not a success strategy, stress is a factor in weight gain, the shoulds we tell ourselves and how they are detrimental to our progress, the importance of language, whatever the language that we use, especially with ourselves, the role consistency plays in success. The three phases of action in Tanya's plan, patience, patience, patience. What to celebrate when you start to see some success. And stay to the end to find out what is normal eating and how to get it started. At the end of the episode, visit menopausemovement.com forward slash podcast, where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. If you like this episode, leave a written review, like and subscribe on YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Share it with your friends. Tell everyone about it. And tell me who should we have on the podcast next? What can we do to make it better? I definitely want to hear from you. Send me a message on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N or on Facebook, same thing, Dr. Michelle Gordon. And when you send me a DM, you get me. There's nobody else. Not on my DMs. Or you can send an email to me at drgordon at menopausemovement.com. Thanks again for being a part of the menopause movement. I'm so excited to bring this today because today's all about how to manage our thoughts more than anything else. And when it comes to weight loss, that's a really important first step. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Let's get to Tanya. So Tanya, welcome to the Menopause Movement Podcast. It's super exciting to have you here. And what I love about about your bio and about what you've talked about and your podcast, all of this is that you kind of help women find themselves, love themselves, and and actually create a body they love. So you want to just just talk a little bit about where you live, who you serve, how you got into it, that sort of thing. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. My name is Tanya and I live in Chilliwack, British Columbia, which is about an hour east of Vancouver in British well, in British Columbia. And I help women specifically over the age of 50 who have been struggling with their diet, with their that on again, off again, roller coaster ride, hamster wheel. For many years, a lot of my women started dieting when they were 5, 8, 13 years old to get to a place where they get to their happy, healthy weight permanently, naturally, and without the obsession, really so that they can be freed up and and live their life. And for me, it started, my whole journey started when I fell in love with fitness and really just how it made me feel. I loved, as a young kid, I joined the Kilometer Club when I was in you know, grade four, and I just always loved the feeling of the after and how my mind felt and how clear I was and motivated it was. And I was also really into science, so I took a degree in kinesiology because I could combine my love for the science side of things and also uh, human movement. And after my university degree, I started working as a kinesiologist and then into personal training as well. And 
I really got, again, more in love with like how it, fitness and how movement could transform people's lives. And at the same time, I started my first diet. And up until then, I just pretty much did food pretty naturally. I mean, there was, I was aware of my weight and those, the, the pretty typical things. I knew that, you know, I remember being in grade eight and thinking I was huge because I was a little bit bigger than my friends. Honestly, that's relatively within the norm of just us growing up. And at the age of 21, I did my first diet and I lost a significant amount of weight. And I didn't have much weight to lose at that time in about you know nine days. You take these little cleanse, you do the shakes, you do the pills, you do the, you know, the little snacks, which are like, you know, five calorie little chromium tablets. Mm-hmm. And I loved the way my body felt at that point. And, but instead of it being this, okay, I did this mm-hmm. diet and I gained all the way back plus more, it became an obsession. And for the next few years, I really went down the diet cycle on the other side. So I became very restrictive. I became very hyper-focused on my weight. I let it define me. I weighed myself every day and let it define who I was and whether I deserved pleasure that day or if I could eat enough or if I needed to do a double workout. And my whole life really revolved around my body and being a certain size. And the thing is, is that it was still a symptom of the same issues that women deal with when it comes to the on-again, off-again diet cycle. So I maintain my weight by strict dieting. When I couldn't do it and I went you know, way off, I would go back to over-obsessing. I'd go back to over-exercising. And it robbed me of living my life. I remember one morning waking up and my son was sleeping in his room. And you know, five o'clock in the morning, I am naked on the scale because you strip your clothes off, you go pee, you look at yourself in the mirror. And I I weighed myself and I took a good hard look at myself and I got really upset. And I just really hit me in that moment that I was wasting so much of my life energy on negative self-talk, on dieting, of defining my self-worth from whether or not I could be disciplined and, and stick to it. And at the same time, I was coaching other women and men in their fitness. I was running a fitness business. I started my own business at that time. And I was telling them that all they need to do was, you know, cut out carbs and work on the macros and do more intense workouts. And they got results. Like they lost weight. Sure they did, but they were never able to stick with it. And they struggled with the on again, off again. They never learned how to make it a lifestyle change. And by coaching other people, I really started to recognize that their struggle with food was much like mine. It had nothing to do with the actual food itself. It's not like they didn't know that the chips and the nachos and the the wine and the cold pizza that they're eating left over right from the fridge because they've, you know, they screwed up their diet. Like they already knew that wasn't helpful for their weight loss goals and to get the body and the life that they want. So I really started questioning my own approach, questioning myself, and it didn't come overnight. It wasn't easy because it is a bit of a grieving process to give that up, to give up like, and there's a fear there. It's like you're jumping off a bridge like when you're bungee jumping and you just want something to hold on to, but there's nothing to hold on to. You know the diet, you know how to restrict food, you know how to count calories, you know how to count macros, you know how to do all the things, but you don't know how to start to build a better relationship with your body. There's no like step-by-step process of how to do that. Yeah, I, I, I stick with it. Right. I love that. I think that it's really important. I mean, we talk about this at the menopause movement a lot because at the end of the day, if you want to feel happier, it, that's on you. You have to 
make the changes and knowing where to start is the hardest part. Like, how do I, how do I get started? I want, I know I don't like how I feel. So what do I do next? And that's, that's what we do, you know, here at the menopause movement. And, and the problem is, is that, yeah, we all know what to do. It's like, how do I get that? How do I either create a relationship with myself to the point where I have enough, you know, self-efficacy or, you know, belief in myself that I'll actually follow through (laughs) <laughs> which which can be hard or how can i create some sort of accountability with uh, with other people to that's not shaming to help me move forward right and that's man i'll tell you if you want to lose weight i think the the most important thing is to just start accepting yourself where you are right and you start accepting yourself where you are and then start thinking about what it is you want and start taking those actions that person that person would do. Like, like I, I use this analogy all the time. You want to lose 100 pounds, there's no way to lose 100 pounds overnight. It's just not possible, right? I mean, I you know, I can pick up my pin and I can drop it and it's going to fall. But if I want to lose weight overnight, I can't, I just physically cannot do it. It's just not physically possible. But what is possible is to make the decision and then to start to act like that person who already lost that 100 pounds and start kind of working it backwards. And so we talk a lot about how to reverse engineer an outcome that you want. And so how do you reverse engineer an outcome of starting to move your body more, starting to love yourself or that that sort of thing. And so those are, I think, are some of the questions that come up, especially in menopause, because it's a time of not just hormonal change, but our brains change because of the hormones and our responsibilities change because our kids are grown and our whole relationship with ourselves just changes. And that's why you're here to help kind of help us, you know, shepherd us along a little bit. You know, as I wrote some notes here as, I, as you were talking, there's a couple of things I just yeah. wanted to touch on. I think that you said they were so powerful. One is that starting from the, like working on the identity piece and how, how critical that is. And what happens is that when we start these programs, we start, you know, taking better care of ourselves. We usually start from a place of like that rock bottom or that you see something that you never want to see or you're that number on the scale or you have a scare or you're like just exhausted with feeling how terrible you feel. And you believe that because it feels so crappy at the moment and you feel so shameful, so disgusted, so just not good about yourself that that whatever it takes, you're going to be able to stick with it. Like, like you're like, you just believe in the moment that I'm just going to do all the things. But until you are actually more intentional with changing your self-talk, with changing your identity, and not just hoping that it's going to happen by exercising for a little while or by following some meal plan for a little while, you need to, it's like running a business. You could be the great, the best coach, the best practitioner in the world, but if, and, and maybe you have great client results, but if you don't know how to run a business, you're going to be the best kept secret. And so we can't just hope that by following these plans that the inside part is going to take care of itself because it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it does. There's a lucky few that do transform, but we need to be more intentional with really setting ourselves up for success. So we're not relying on just the hope and the chance that it's going to, it's going to work. And I love what you said there about accepting yourself as you are. I think there's such a big idea and we think like, oh, self-love and self-acceptance and respect is all woo-woo and fluffy <laughs> rainbows, that sort of thing. And there's a belief, sometimes a feeling that if I accept myself that means I'm just going to let myself go or Mm. be okay with where I'm at and that's absolutely not the case because you can accept where you're at you can acknowledge where you at you're at you can even love yourself and you can still want to change self-acceptance is not complacency 
It doesn't mean that you're not going to want to do better for yourself. In fact, it's just the opposite. And you talk all the time about hormones, as do I. But one of the hormones that we don't need more of generally is cortisol. And when you're always in this fight response with yourself, when you're hating on yourself, when you are hard on yourself all the time, there is a stress response. So when you can Mm. just alleviate that and you can say like, I'm okay with the way I am and I'm going to get better and I'm taking that next step, then now you can come out from place of I get to versus I must do these things because otherwise I'm not enough. Otherwise I'm um, coming away from those pain points. You can actually move towards what you want. The other thing you said there is about the changes that happen in life. And for a lot of women are in the sandwich generation where you have teenage kids and you have aging parents and you're still working. Now some women are, I work with are now heading into retirement which although that gives you more free time can also be a really scary change. And one of the more challenging parts here is that all of a sudden you might be without the, I don't say distractions, but without the other priorities and other focuses that you had in life that maybe defined who you are. So now you're just left with yourself and you, mm-hmm. and it leaves you to question some of these things, but how am I taking care of myself? What is my relationship with myself? Because in the past, you were just focused on serving others and you put yourself last because you could, you could get away with it. And it was a socially accepted thing to do. Well, it's, it's taught, right? We, we're, we're taught to be servants more than anything else. I say this every time because we live in a patriarchy, but almost, I almost say every, every episode I talk about it and I don't hate men, you guys. I really don't. I love men. I think men are awesome. I just think that if you read this book, The Alphabet versus the Goddess, it explains why, why the goddess has got killed. Uh, it has to do with written language and using the left side of the brain and, and things like that. And so I think that one thing I love what you said is that hope is not a success strategy. <laughs> you know, and and if you want to, I mean, it, it's so important that if you decide to make a change to get support, it doesn't matter where you get it, you're going to find the right, the, the, the right person for you is out there. I, it might be me, it might be Tanya, it doesn't matter because the right person to support you and whatever goal you have is there for you. It's just, it's just a matter of you taking that next step up right? There's what, 8 billion people in the world. There's somebody who can help you. And the the good thing about having a coach or somebody who can show you the way is that they've already been there. And so they can shorten the gap. You know, for me in menopause, it took, gosh, I would say it took five years before I really understood what was going on. And then I was able to, I, mean, I was like 220 pounds at my highest weight, maybe even more. I mean, I stopped weighing myself. I was so pissed off. And, and when I finally decided I was good, I just, I got to do something about this. I finally decided I was like, okay, I'm going to exercise I started exercising and you know what? I lost nothing. I lost nothing. I was like, what's going on here? Then I had to realize that what worked in my 20s and 30s won't work now, right? Because things are different and my body wants to hold on to fat because of estrogen. And then the other thing that happened was really understanding that, that exercise is not a weight loss tool. And I'll tell you that the diet and, and, and fitness industry want you to believe that exercise is the tool for weight loss because all you got to do is go out there and run. But if you come home and all you do is eat French fries, you know what's going to happen? Your brain's going to feel a little better because you ran. That's it. You want to lose weight? You've got to really pay attention to the diet. I, I just, yeah, yeah. You said there, and you're right, I, I do say this a lot, hope is not a strategy. It's Hope mm. is a great feeling. It's a terrible strategy. It makes you feel yeah. better in the moment. The whole getting support thing it is absolutely important. And yet we often have this belief, and I, 
I work with my my women a lot about the internal beliefs and everything, and our you know, the, the story that hold us back that we shouldn't need help sometimes that we should be able to do it on our own. Perfectionist t- tendency, I should have figured it out by now. And also, it can be a lot of take a lot of courage also to get help, especially when you're coming out of place where. I'm, having failed so many times in the past and having done so many things in the past, it can take a little bit of courage to reach out and get help. And it's worth it. It absolutely is worth it because when you're when you're clear on what you're missing out on, the cost of not taking action, that decision of not to take action, what it's actually costing you, it's really it's really quite worth it. Now, you also said about the exercise and weight loss and you're, oh my gosh, you're, you're, you're uh, bang on there. Because <laughs> you love like you know, my fitness pal and they say, well, I did this. And it because hormonally too, for a lot of women through menopause, they are already, going through enough stress that when you layer on the intense cardio and the intense exercise there's more that's another stress in the body and depending on the person that could be really counterproductive from a fat loss perspective i do love i think movement's really important but it's also but it's important right for the for the reasons you said it's for the mental health it's for the mood and quite often once you can separate and you can you can break the ties between exercise and diet and weight loss it's like exercises for mental health, it's for how I feel. It can also be really helpful because now you start to feel better. You start to build that identity of like the fit, vibrant, healthy woman because she she actually she goes for a walk. She she moves her body. And I also know from that from my background because my first background was in uh, education was in movement. Our bodies are meant to move. Like our bodies are it's just from for posture for energy. If you want vibrant energy, if you want to feel good, if you want to go and keep up with your grandkids and you know do all the things and travel movement is a non-negotiable but it's for those reasons like you said actually not because we need to burn x number of calories on the elliptical trainer just so that we can earn our food or <laughs> eat ice cream or pizza exactly yeah. exactly you know, there's this app that I use sometimes called Zwift. So Zwift is a, a bike trainer app. It's just by subscription. And they measure your calories in pizza slices. It's mostly men use it. I mean, actually women use it too, but it just it drives me crazy because it's like, I don't want to really measure any exercise I do in, in terms of pizza. You know, I want to eat pizza when I want to eat pizza. And that's kind of the thing. And when we take, when we start to say should to ourselves, right? I should be able to do it by myself now. I should be able. And I did that for so many years. And then I don't know what I happened. I, I started reading like maybe Jack Canfield or something way back in 2009. And I was like, and the book I recommend by Jack Canfield for anybody who wants to start to create a life they love is the, it's a book called The Success Principles. Now, if you don't know who Jack Canfield is, he wrote Mark Victor Hansen, Chicken Soup for the Soul. And for those of us who are in our 50s, we remember the OJ trial and they had 160 rejections of their book. And what they did, so smart. They sent a copy, everyone on the jury. And so I, if you look back at those recordings from Judge Ito's courtroom, you'll see that they were carrying chicken soup for the soul books at that trial. And that's how they got going after they got published. Anyway, I started reading Jack Canfield and I started realizing one of the things, one of the principles is hire a coach. And for me, I, I had never really hired a life coach or anybody before, but I was like, you know, I, I'm not happy with my life. So yeah, let me, let me try this. And I created a vision board. We were talking about that before. I created a vision board and everything on that vision board came true except for one thing. And that, that was about something about a book that I did just never wrote. So you don't take any action, you're not going to get what you want. And ever since then, I've used coaches as a means to jumpstart, to kind of shorten the gap. 
And I found that to be really, really helpful, especially in my fitness. I have a triathlon coach that assigns workouts for me. And if they don't, if I don't do them, they're red on my calendar and it's really annoying. <laughs> for you. Yeah. The words, you actually just talked about the, the, the should word. Yeah. Uh, language has such a power and the words mm-hmm. that we choose. One of the, I don't want to say core principles, but overarching things that I really coach on is intentionality and being intentional with your thoughts, with your words, with your, with, with everything. And the should word is what definitely one that we can have a bit of a red flag around. So when it comes up, start to question, I mean, this morning I was going and I did not have a plan for my workout. And one of my goals is to move my body every day. And not just to say goals, just one of my habits, my routines, because it makes me feel good. I like, I just, my body's meant to move. I didn't have a plan. And then I was thinking, I should go for a run. I can go paddleboarding. I should go for a bike ride. And I was like, I should go do something. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, it's so disempowering, that word, the the, the shoulds. And I, and so, my son's who? I ended up, with, yeah. and my sister and I had a great, we did, we, I went for a five mile walk and we talked and the whole time it was lovely. We actually had a really great time. She, was, she lives in Vancouver. We had a phone call. And the other words to really, to really call as red flags are even need, like I need to do this. Just scream some lack. It's like, I, yeah. and then I have to is another big one. There's a lot of women who go around feeling drained and feeling restricted all the time with their diets, with their workouts, with everything, because we are always in this language of, I have to, I have to go grocery shopping. I have to go pick up the kids. I have to go to work. And it's a very energetically training. And then we wonder why at the end of the day, we just feel exhausted. You talk a lot about living or creating the life that you want to live. And a lot of that comes from just our perspective. It's not necessarily changing even what we do. I mean, this afternoon, I'm going to go and get some groceries for, for dinner. I mean, how lucky I am, honestly, that I get to go to the grocery store and take whatever I want really from the shelves and swipe my card and bring it home and cook it on the patio with my husband. Like, that's a pretty awesome thing. And the whole energy behind that changes. Your actions might be the same. You still might be doing the things, planning your meals, doing your going for your walk, whatever you're doing. But the feeling behind it is totally different just by those simple shifts of your language. Mm -hmm. Another one is, I just said, just what we do often is we go to give ourselves credit or say that we've done great things. It's like, well, I just went for a walk as if I couldn't do more. There's always like I could be doing more. And that's, again, very draining because, of course, you could always be doing more. But that's a mute point. There's always going to be a next level and that's totally fine. But instead we need to start just taking out that word a little bit more and watching our language. Yeah, that's that's so fascinating. You talk about the word just. You know, I, I worked as a general surgeon for 15, 16 years and uh, I just retired from general surgery in July of 2020. And when I would tell people that I was a surgeon, they'd be say, they would say, what kind of surgeon? I'd say, I'm a general surgeon. Oh, so you're just a general surgeon. I'm like, just? Do you know what that means? You know, I mean, the general surgeons do really amazing things. Take out gallbladders. We fix hernias. We remove colons when they have to come out. I mean, it's it's not a just thing at all. It's like really cool. And so for a long time, I when somebody said, oh, you're just a general surgeon, you know, I would kind of go with that until I realized that it was so disappointing empowering. And so then when somebody would say it to me, I would be like, yeah, just that's 15 years of school and seven years of practice and then another seven years. So yeah, expertise takes time. 
And I think that there's such an opportunity here to talk about the fact that, like we said before, you can't lose 100 pounds overnight. You can't get really get good at something without putting yourself at it. And one of the Dr. G-isms that I, that I say a lot in, in my inside my program or even here on the podcast is anything worth doing is worth sucking at it first. Kids, kids never, ever, ever, children, you know, toddlers, they fall down and they start to toddle. They get up, they laugh. They might cry a little bit because they're having, they're frustrated, but they never stop. They never like say, Oh, I'm going to give up now because I suck at it. It, it. They just keep going. And, and so I, I always like to encourage the people I work with to try to approach whatever it is with the child's mind as if they never, ever, ever heard any of it before. And I think when it comes to dieting for the last time, or never dieting again, getting getting back some control over your life in, in that particular way. And maybe control is not the right word. Maybe it's really a letting go. When it comes to doing that, I think it's so important to stop worrying and just be. I I completely agree. I think of it as the, I say like the beginner's mindset. And yeah. you would never, it's, my analogy is always paddle boarding. So I'm like, if you go paddle boarding for the first time, you don't fall down and be like, oh, well, this is, I can't do this. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. You keep going. The issue that we need to go into this is to come at that, to prepare that with that beginner's mindset and to let go of the fact that we should already, again, we should already know it, or we should already have got this by now. So many women that I work with had no idea. They did not expect that they'd be in their 50s, 60s, 70s, still struggling with their diet and their diet mentality. And they think that you know, by the age of 50, 60, 70, that they should have had, they should have been over it by now. And the issue is that you're actually going at it differently for the first time because we've been practicing these diets and just doing the, you know, following the plans while working on the mindset, all of those things for so many years. What you're doing now, learning how to make a lifestyle change, learning how to do it for life, learning how to to raise your expectations of yourselves, learning how to have self-respect, learning how to speak kindly to yourself or in at least in a in a helpful productive way is new and we compare ourselves so often to where we think we should be at this time yep and it bites us it does it does yeah where we should be. yeah yeah well it's all about how we choose to frame it more than anything else you know we spend a lot of time working on reframing i can see that you do that too but one thing i i i had to get over was comparing where I am now to where I was when I was 18. That's when I was my most active. And, you know, I started running when I was in high school. I took a class called Reading, Writing, and Running. And uh, I loved it. And then I had open-heart surgery. And I stopped running after that. And I started smoking. And I mean, it's just like really stupid things. And, and then life happened. And I ended up, you know, getting married, having a kid, and then getting divorced, going to medical school. I just never really got back into fitness, except for I like started riding a bike a little bit. And I, I it wasn't until I actually started, I got through menopause. I was, I was, menopause was happening and it was super disruptive. And I was like, man, I got to get the word out. So we did a TV show and we went and rode bikes. And actually, if anybody wants to watch it, you can watch it on YouTube in succession. It's like, episodes, I want to say it's episodes like four through 11 or something of of the podcast, maybe four through, I think there's nine episodes. It doesn't lend itself very well to the podcast formula, format, but it's good on YouTube. So go to the Menopause Movement podcast on, on, on YouTube and you can go down to like, I think it starts with the fourth episode. So it's four through 13. And we did a show and we went to Spain and I had to ride my bike on in Spain. So I said, oh shoot, I got to get a coach. I got to get somebody to help me like get in fitness because I'm going to ride up this mountain in Spain. And that's what I did. And 
you know, I didn't lose much weight because I never really changed my diet. And I had a diet coach, but the diet coach was like starving me. And I was like, this sucks. I hated how I felt. So we rode the, you know, and, and, and you know, long story short, I rode my bike up this 10,000 meter hill and or mountain and, and it was awesome. And I did it in 20 minute increments. I was like, okay, I can do this. I'll just 20 minutes and then stop. And 20 minutes in this diet took me an hour and a half. And I just did it, right? And one thing that happens when you do something like this is that when you do something you think might be impossible and you're able to do it, it just gives you more fuel to pursue whatever it is your dream is, right? And it kind of builds that self-efficacy, that, that self-belief muscle. And, and that's why, that's why it's so important to start with little things and get wins, right? And, and so I'm just going to talk for a second about our mini, but minibody challenge. You can get that at menopausemovement.com forward slash challenge. And the reason it works is because you don't have to change everything all at once. It's just one little thing a week. When you want to like get off the diet roller coaster, which, you know, it's such, God, you know, I did. Who makes money if we get off the roller coaster like we do, right? Because we're not paying for things anymore. <laughs> we're not, you know, and, and, and so you not only do you keep more money in your pocket, but you, you actually start to win. You start to win. And so when women come to work with you, right? What is the very first thing that, that you, let's say I'm, I'm your, I'm your client. I'm coming. I'm saying, please help me. I, I, you know, all I'm doing is gaining weight and I can't stop. I can't stop eating rice. I, I love rice. So tell, tell me how you would deal with that. Well, take all the rice out of your pantry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I follow with my women in Fit Environment Over 50, I follow a three-step process and we do a six, a six month coaching program that I, that I, that I have. And we have three phases. It's called see it, do it, and live it. And Mama. the see it phase is all about lay the foundation. So we talk about the nutrition a little bit in the program. Like honestly, it's it's pretty minimal. I coach probably 5% at the most on the nutrition. The rest is everything else that goes into it. But we actually spend the first two weeks sometimes a bit more just really laying the foundation to set up the routines, the structures to build consistency because we're really in it for the long haul. We're not here to, you know, white knuckle it and cut out rice, you know, or limit your rice right away. But the great thing is that when we have these routines, we have a really strong morning routine. We get clear on our goals. We have a planner that we use to keep ourselves organized. We start to implement the the structures and the routines so we stay consistent because just like changing your mindset, we can't leave it to chance. We need to have those, the three things I talk about all the time is simplicity, consistency, and routines. And we need the routines and structures so that when you say, now I'm going to work on my mindset, you have like the framework to fit that in. And so we work on that first. And it's actually really freeing because most women, you know, are used to starting on Monday and cutting out everything. And it's really not about that. We do work on that, that long game. Phase two is where the transformation begins, where we really focus on aligning what you do in your day with the person that you want to be. And I think about like, I always Think about the building a house analogy where the laying the foundation is that first phase. It's just really about getting the, getting the plan, getting the tools, because you can't just start building <laughs> some house if you're on, on a rocky foundation or an unstable foundation. You really need to build that first. And then we actually start working on some really small, simple habits. I, there are six keystone habits that I teach my clients. And as you do that, honestly, even if, even when you start with the first phase, your mindset's already changing. So it becomes like those kind of things. Like I just can't eat the rice or eat too much rice. Those naturally just start to 
take care of themselves almost without too much effort because you're working on that inner piece and you're working on really building into the identity of the person you want to be. So that's that second phase is all about the actual building the house, pulling the, the house, it's pulling like the kitchen in, the bathroom in, the roof on the house. That's actually what you do to create the camp. Uh, to, because although I love the mindset piece and I love the, the self talk, we also do need to make some changes as to what we're doing because otherwise Johnny Cuff said affirmations without action is a fortune cookie. <laughs> oh, I like that. I tell, I tell my, I tell my clients that uh, yeah, a goal. Yeah. I think, I, I think I say a, a, a goal without action is a dream. Dream without an action is just a wish or a goal without an action without any action is just a wish. Both for sure. Yeah. And the third phase that I work with my clients, we actually do the, the two fa- last two phases simultaneously. But if the first phase is all about laying the foundation, the second phase is all about aligning what you do in your day and we have like so much coaching and support one-on-one group calls all the things every single day with a mindset upgrade all the things because you do need to we said hope is not a strategy it's a great feeling not a strategy to set yourself up for success and that third phase we call live it and live it is all about making that house strong so that when you build up the house it's about removing the barriers, the emotional eating, the stress eating, the, the mindset pieces, the overcoming urges, the what to do when you don't have support, what to do when you don't feel like it anymore. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the hard part about all of this isn't when you're motivated and you are feeling like, okay, I started this program and I'm getting up early to go for my walk and I'm planning my meals on Sunday and I'm super motivated and I need to you know, structure my life a little bit differently. But I'm gonna, the, the hardest part of all of this is when you don't care anymore is when you don't want to do it anymore, when you want to give up, when you feel like a failure. That's the hard part. And that's where the coaching piece comes in. That's where working on that live it phase comes in. That's where having, I mean, I, I would love if all of my clients signed up for a program and there was a, a nice linear straight path forward and they like, you know, change their mindset and they never had setbacks and lost the weight. It's, that doesn't happen. That's not the reality. The reality mm-hmm. is if they do for a while, then there's a plateau or there's a challenge that comes up. And that's why having the system and setting yourself up for success, but having that coach, having that support is so critical because it's going to happen. It's not if, it's when it's going to happen. And sub- and having that, that I think of like when you go bowling and if you if you suck at bowling and every time your bowling ball goes into the gutters it's kind of nice to have i'm like i'm we're like the gutter the the bumpers on the bowling alley yeah that, so that's, like, that's so that way, push yourself back and you still get the pins at the end well the whole idea though i think is that when you start to focus on small habits when you start to focus on little teeny things that you can change that maybe you know one percent one percent changes don't feel like anything but they stack and they stack and they stack. And so then if you do 1% improvement over over a year, I think the improvement's like 158%. And if it's 2% a week, it's like over, it's like 270%. I mean, it's really high, maybe 280, I can't remember. So if you're able to do a 1% improvement every week, let's say, let's just take something quantitative like your Instagram following, say, right? If you start with 1,000, you're gonna end up with maybe 1,500, right? And then that just keeps on going. The whole idea, and actually more than that, probably if it's 158%, then you start with 1,000, you're going to have 2,500 about. The whole idea is to build, oh, this is such a great analogy. It just came up, came to me, but you're, you're talking about building a house, right? And your habits are, are the bricks. Your habits are the bricks so that when the big bad wolf comes 
and tries to blow down your house. And the big bad wolf is really our, it's our self-talk. It's the programs inside our head. And when that comes and says, no, you got to go back. You got to go back to doing this. You can say, no, I've built my house of these bricks of habits that now stack. That's awesome. What do you know? There you go. Now you have another coaching point for your... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, One thing you said there, I really want to just say again, because I think it's so important, is that that you you said habits and wins. While the habits are really important, the other part, and you did say this, I just want to make sure everyone out there is listening to this and and guess this, is acknowledging and, and giving yourself credit and celebrating that win. Because what happens otherwise, you do these little habits and you never feel successful because the other part of your brain is saying, oh, I'm just doing that. I just went for a five minute stretching session. I just planned one meal. And you come at it from this place of lack and not doing enough. And you never get the feeling that you're after, which is feeling proud, feeling satisfied, feeling like that you've accomplished something. And then we wonder why we don't stick with it because we don't ever allow ourselves to feel that feeling. So that is really the importance of, and it's, this is part of one of the things I coach in that, that foundational piece, the see it phase is the importance of really having a practice of giving yourself credit and to celebrating the wins and not just going through the motions of it, but really allowing yourself to feel successful. And there's lots of ways you can do this with, you know, sharing it with other people. You can, this is what the support is really great. I can't tell you how many calls I get on with clients when we have our one-on-one calls and, and I do ask them what's, what's going well. And they're so fast sometimes to, to say all the things that they want to solve and all the, you know, paying attention to the gap uh, of where they want to be to where they want to go and not paying attention to where they, where they are. Actually, I'm just my planner yesterday. I have this little, we have this little section that says morning mindset message to myself. And my yesterday's message to myself was when you look up at how far you go or want to go, remember to look your, look back and, and at how far you've come because oh, yeah. we, see, we get so focused on like the, where we want to go and we don't ever think about all the things that we're currently doing. And it's so, so important. And I, I'll tell you that if you ever feel like you are demotivated, if you feel like you are kind of have this lackluster relationship with your health goals and you don't really want to do it anymore. Ask yourself, like, am I actually like properly giving myself credit and celebrating my wins or am I going through the motions or not doing it at all? And Mm. I guarantee you're either going through the motions or you're not doing it at all. Yeah. There's so many ways to, to celebrate wins. You know, I talked about comparing myself to my 18 year old self and, and you know, the reading, writing and running and, and stopping running and now I like to say, I mean, I can do more with this 56-year-old body than I could when I was 18. Now I can't run as fast, but I can run further. And I can, I, I mean, I can just do a lot more. I can go out and I can run in this humidity here on the, on the, the East Coast. Uh, I can do, you know, I'm doing a 5K on, on Sunday, this, you know, second one this year. And, and I'm actually competitive. The last, last 5K I did, I was number seven out of 33 in my age group, which, you know, not horrible. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, that I mean, puts, puts me in the, me top, in the top third, third right? right? I, can't I can't complain. complain. I mean, I mean uh, for, not for not being a lifetime, lifetime athlete, athlete, I think I, I do okay. okay. You know, yeah. so. What so, the running too is that you say you're in top seven of my age group. We compare ourselves like it's a bit of a selection bias. <laughs> you're comparing yourself to people yeah. who are actually doing a 5 feet run. <laughs> like it's, there's a lot of people who are not. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I did, when I was 18, I did a race and I ended up winning my age group and it was a small race, but I still, I won my age group. And then I, then I went off and had open heart surgery and never got back into running again. And I just let life happen. I stopped. I forgot who I was. It was really an interesting, when I look back at it now, there's, there's always like, well, I wish I'd done something differently. But what, what I love to, when I, when I start to look at things that I might regret, I, I always get I always get into a place of gratitude because without that experience I wouldn't be where I am now. And that's you know, those those experiences, good, bad, indifferent, horrible, traumatic, whatever they are, they still shaped who I am now. And so to get to a place of forgiveness and, and a place of self compassion was it was hard, but it was really this the smartest thing for me to do. Now I want to I want to shift gears just for a minute and ask ask you why so many women gain weight in menopause and what to do instead. <laughs> there is, well, there, I mean, I like, I like you talk about this all the time too and all the different yeah. things. There's a lot of different reasons for it. Sometimes it's that women have done diets so many times in the past and their body just, no matter how old you are, your body's going to fatigue. Just, just change that way. A big also reason is it's the hormones that shift too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big reason. Uh, muscle mass tends to decline after the age of 40 unless you start to work out and, and actually strengthen it. And that can affect your, your metabolic rate. And then just the the, uh, the changes of the hormones. The body is more hardwired to fat, especially around the midsection, because fat is not an inert tissue. It is going to be helping with the estrogen and, and production a lot mm-hmm. of women have been so taxed and stressed their whole life through not always just work and traffic and all the things, but often it's just perfectionism or negative self-talk, doing all the things, not taking care of themselves. And after menopause, where the adrenals are supposed to be taking on a little bit more of the hormone production, it doesn't quite happen anymore. And that's why the body's going to prioritize doing whatever it can. I think a big part of all of this is it's not inevitable. Your body does change. What you did before is not going to do the same. It's not going to work anymore or it's not going to, it's not going to get the same results that it did before. But also coming at all of this from a place of self-compassion that to know that your body is actually trying to do the best she can for you. And she's mm-hmm. not gaining weight around your midsection because she hates you. She's actually doing it because she wants to, for you to survive and she's doing the best that she can. So coming at from that perspective is really important. And then when it comes to past menopause, and honestly, this is going to be applicable to any age, but it's really a lot about stress management, uh, managing blood sugar levels as well, and then eating in a way that's going to promote, I mean, at some point, hormones matter, so it's calories, so not overeating, and having that that balanced lifestyle and knowing that your body will still be different than it was when you were said when you were 18. Yeah, that, there, there are changes. I mean, I, you know, I'll tell you, I look at a sandwich and I gain weight. It's just, just how it is. What do you think we, we need to do women in, in menopause? Do you think we, you think we need to, we can say get over it or we can, you know, talk about stop it, but that's always not so easy. And so in menopause, I mean, do you think that there's a bigger role for self-compassion say, or some other type of mindset? The self-cap? We talked very much at the beginning about starting from a place of accepting yourself and how that changes. And and when it comes to the stress response as well, that's one thing we talk about stress. And and like I said, we we know the stresses as in work deadlines and, but we we don't talk about in terms of the stress response is this constant negative self-talk 
And your body doesn't feel safe. Your body feels like it's being attacked all the time. And there is a stress response that happens when you're always putting yourself, you don't feel at peace, you don't feel relaxed, your body's going to hold on to things because of that. So it absolutely is important. And a lot of the things that I, I coach on, honestly, are applicable. I mean, healthy habits like regular movement, positive self, or not even positive self-talk, but helpful self-talk. Yeah. You know, you can definitely call yourself out sometimes on everything sunshine and rainbows, but being at least helpful and not just mean to yourself all the time. Uh, strength training is can be really helpful. And, and these are not just about weight loss. It's about like just overall general health. And then when it comes to the nutrition side of things, I coach my women. Again, we, we make these small little changes. So we're not doing thing, everything all at once, but we focus on really fueling the body, eat, eating when you're actually physically needing food and you're hungry and stopping before you are full. So getting to that point where you're actually, and there are some nuances there because some women are just so out of tune with what that looks like, or they never feel hungry because they don't know what it's like. And then the actual, I don't teach as in like, you know, exactly, I don't, I don't prescribe exactly like how many macronutrients or how many grams or whatever, but we have a baseline where we focus on fueling your body with adequate fats, adequate proteins, and mm-hmm. a lot of high fiber, non-starchy vegetables. It's like, not rocket science. It's not, it's not, um, anything. There's no, nothing magical that you haven't heard before. You know that you need to eat your vegetables and all these kind of things. There's really lots of common sense approaches, but the whole compassion piece that you said is, is, it's important not just from the physiological, like from the, um, the physical perspective, but then also, so it allows you to actually stick with it and not always hate the process. Cause if you hate the process, you're going to quit. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the whole thing. I mean, one of the, one of the things I think that's really important in, when it comes to behavior change and, and making positive changes in your life is that you want to set an outcome, right? I want to lose a hundred pounds. Great. There's my outcome. And then it's a matter of what is the process? What does that look like? When people have lost a hundred pounds and kept it off for their, for their entire life, what is the, what does their life, life look like? What are the behaviors that they do? What, are, what are the things that they think about? What are the activities that they do? What are the things that they eat? And, and some of, some of them will have healthy habits and some of them will have unhealthy habits and you get to pick and choose. And just like losing a hundred pounds, you know, changing your self talk is not going to happen overnight. That is another thing that is, remember, a belief is just a sentence you say over and over and over in your head, right? And so your negative self-talk patterns are just things that you say over and over and over because maybe at one point when you were, you know, before the age of seven, you heard it and you believed it. And that's the truth about you because somebody said that to you before you were seven and you weren't able to reason. And that's just part of life, right? And so what I like to tell people, and if you're listening to this and, and this resonates with you, they're great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. But I just like to say, examine whatever story you're telling yourself. And, and trust me, you know, you're telling yourself stories. I tell myself stories. I'm always telling myself stories. And I'm always looking at like, why am I not reaching my goals? Or why am I, what's my block? I'm always looking for that because I'm a high performer. And you can be too. It's just a matter of being willing to be open and say, is there a story here that I have to examine? And then when you start to do that, you can actually start to make some progress. Yeah. I said a couple of things that I think are really important. One is like the fact that it does take time because we can often get to the whole like self-acceptance, self-talk and treat like the next diet where it's like, I failed. I'm going to yeah. wait till Monday to start speaking kindly to myself. That it is a process. You can't, we can't actually control the outcome in terms of the next, like how fast your body loses weight. We can't control 
I, there's lots of things that are going to affect that. You can, you can control the process though. And you like, you can work on that and, and to have that trust as well. When you focus on the process, it actually also allows you to really stay focused on the things that are going to get you to where you want to be for the long haul versus just doing whatever it takes to lose a hundred pounds or lose 10 miles or whatever you want to do without any regards to whether you can, uh, you can keep it off. And you also said about the, the things take time and it does the decision a change happens in an instant. It's the decision to change, make the change. It now just takes time for that to become easier and for the outside world to start to catch up to what's happening inside. So it's just, and that comes from repetition. It comes from the practice of it and it yeah. does get easier over time. So to really, to, to really trust that. I like to say that I want to catch up with my future self. <laughs> yeah. So before we go, I want to know if you can just tell us what is normal eating and how, how can I become a normal eater? I like, that's like a whole like <laughs> podcast in itself. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things with normal eating. I'll tell you a couple things though, that that one is that normal eating does not mean that you'll never be in a, you'll never emotionally eat or you'll never eat you know, foods when you're not hungry or that you have this you know, perfection thing. Normal eating is going to look different from person to person. And the actual what you do is going to be different from person to person. Normal eating, when I think of it, it's eating foods that for the most part and not attaching your identity to any kind of way of eating where like, well, I'm only this way or I'm like, no, you are, you're you and you eat mostly this way most of the time and you're okay. It's less about the, it's more about the intention behind it and where food becomes food for the most part. And it's not consuming a whole bunch of your mental real estate on what to eat or what not to eat. And you can do food naturally. You don't feel like you are, don't feel like you're out of control around food. And I do want to say that that doesn't mean that eating is going to be perfect. And it's not going to mean that you're never going to sometimes be super stressed or super sad and eat ice cream because of it. Like I think that's sometimes that's a bit of a fallacy that we think that normal eating means that we'll never, because we're emotional people and we're that's fine. It's more about how it affects your life and, and what it looks like. But I love the idea from eating is to eat a certain way most of the time and focusing for the most part on eating in a way that makes your body feel good, makes you feel good. Not just in the in the moment of like, I want that on my lips right now because it tastes good or right to my tongue, but how you want to feel. And just like everything else, although well, that's not something that happens overnight, there's a really big pro there's a it's it's definitely a process. Yeah. And one thing I love about the relationship with me and I like like I mentioned, I coach about five percent on on nutrition and the rest on our relationship with ourselves. And when you start to focus on changing your eating habits, when you start to focus on okay, what it's what's it like now just to sit with my thoughts instead of numbing out with food, we start to bring up some things that we might want to start to discover a little bit because before we're not even aware that these things are happening because we're always numbing out with food or we're have these other distractions. And it's like for a lot of people when they start stop alcohol for the first time, like it's really hard because they don't have that coping mechanism and it could be a little bit scary. I do want to say that sometimes it can stop you from even starting because you don't want to bring up these things. Yeah. It's not a prerequisite for changing your eating habits. You don't have to go dig into your past and solve everything that's happened in the past and all the traumas and bring everything up. But also just trust that if that does happen or you start to dip your toe into some things that you may not want to bring up in the past, that you will do it at a pace that you, that you that's comfortable for you or that it'll come at a pace that you feel ready for. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a bit of a roundabout uh, question. 
but that's how I how I would define it. Yeah, that's great. I, I think that if we want to get started with it, I mean, I think I think the key there is awareness. And and as I say in the beginning of the podcast, that you know, awareness awareness is the first step to any change. And so if if you want to make changes, if you're if you're looking in the mirror and you don't like what you see, then you can reach out here where you tanyashaw.com. And you can reach out to Tanya, you can reach out to menopausemovement.com and you can take our quiz and you can get some help there. There's lots of help. And if, if it's not me and if it's not Tanya, it's somebody else. But there's definitely someone out there that specifically can help you when you go look for it. And I know that I started the menopause movement because I, I had problems with menopause. And I went looking for a course and I couldn't find one. And it was really frustrating. And so I was like, well, I guess it's me. I'm going to write the course. And I did. And it's helping people. And that's that's kind of where we are. Pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So was there anything else you were hoping to share? I mean, honestly, I could talk forever about this stuff. I love yeah. it all. I just yeah. love, I guess my, my last thing is that believe that it's possible. And you believe it's possible not always because you think you can do it, by, but by being inspired by other people. And to not necessarily know that to get started, you need to have the entire path mapped out. You don't have to believe that you can keep off the weight, all that kind of stuff. You just need to trust the process, follow the system and take that first step and have the confidence that you can, that you can figure it out. Like why not you? Yeah. Your past is not your, your potential. If, if you've been struggling for years, decades, why not you? Like others have done it. And so, and so can you. And it takes that, it takes courage to step up. It takes courage to get help. It takes courage to put your hand up and to say, I'm ready. I want to try again. It takes courage sometimes to have a conversation with your spouse that you're going to do, do something again, or maybe you don't want to talk, talk about it. who knows, but believe, but believe that it's possible because you absolutely can. And I, it's hard sometimes just to think like, oh, how is this different? Uh, because I've tried everything in the past. I'm like, no, you haven't. Because if you did try everything in the past, you'd have tried consistency and it works really, really well. Yeah. Let go of the past and have, like you said, have that child beginner mindset and you can absolutely, absolutely do it. I have emails and Facebook messages and phone calls with my clients every single day. And I get the honor the privilege of seeing it every single day so i know it's possible and if you're listening to this podcast it is absolutely 100 possible for you definitely sometimes i tell my clients that sometimes you have to start change with i wish i wanted to want to yes yes I, I, I wish i wanted to want to and when you get to that then the universe can answer you the universe can answer you and you can start to move forward I like that. Well, Tanya, thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement today. I hope to have you back. It'd be really great to, to have you come meet our community. I think that would be awesome if that's something you're interested in. Meet my ladies. All right. Well, thanks again. Thanks for being a part of the menopause movement today. Thanks so much. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life. And to really take hold of our lives in menopause, we have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. This is why I've created this brand new course called Understanding Your Hormones and Managing Your Menopause. I want to show you how you can get on top of your menopause right now so that you can start to see it as the best time of your life. Now, this course is valued at $500 and is in the beta testing phase. And we're currently accepting applications for women to test it out for us at no charge in exchange for feedback and testimonials. 
But the best part is because you're a podcast listener, you can bypass the application process and go straight to the front of the line. To register right now, simply visit menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones and we can get started together right now. Remember, you can get started right now at no charge to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials when you go to menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones. And I'll see you inside the course. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. 